everybody and welcome to Love Unlocks Live Sessions. It's uh, Tuesday, one o'clock and it's time for Love Unlocks. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for being part of this. Um, I really appreciate you guys logging in and uh, and checking out what we're doing here. This uh, Love Unlocks is where I chat to awesome people about how God's love has unlocked their lives. It's stories of encouragement, stories of inspiration that can hopefully inspire you and encourage you in speaking to your life as well. So uh, thank you for joining us and, and being part of this. It's brought to you by our ministry called Love Key. At Love Key, we minister wholeness to families and unity to the body of Christ and we believe in God's plan for family, God's plan for marriage. And uh, wherever we go, whatever we do, we through music and through these kinds of things, we try to speak life into, into men, into women, into families. Uh, so yeah, thank you for being part of it. You can actually be a part of our ministry by visiting our website, lovekeymission.com. It's uh, in the link tree, link in this post. You can just click on that and find it under, the, under there. And uh, my wife and I are also currently doing a marriage seminar online on Thursday nights at quarter past nine on a private Facebook group. And you can get tickets for that as well on this Linktree link. And uh, you can still join us. We have started, but the cool thing about the group is you can, uh, you can come back and you can catch up and you can start uh, watching with us what we're doing. Uh, so And then the brand new song, Our Nation, is out as a first single from the new album. And uh, I would like to play you a short clip of that and, uh, and then encourage you to also go to the link and check out the music video on YouTube. It's also now, since Friday, it's available on all digital platforms. So you can get it on Apple Music, Spotify, Deezer, whatever you're listening on. Go get Our Nation and uh, share with your friends. This is a quick teaser. Here we go. done watching our home slip away corruption and crime and moral decay we will model the truth the life the way we declare and decree that our land is free from fear and from hate and from curses decree we're united in Christ we agree Belongs to God And Jesus is our King Holy Spirit will lead our soul Cause our God is on the throne Thank you so much for listening to that. And uh, please make sure you go and check out the video on YouTube and get the song on your favorite digital platform. It'll be so cool. And uh, on that note, I also want to say thank you for joining us live. If you have comments or questions, please pop them while we are doing this interview. And please also tell us where you are listening from. I know that 
Our guest today has uh, fans all over the world. And if you are dialing in from wherever, we'd love to know. And uh, also, if you are obviously from South Africa, let us know which city or town and, uh, and how it is going with you as well. We'd love to know. Without any further ado, I would love to introduce this amazing man. He is a very talented South African cricketer. He, he does the IPL. He's married to his beautiful wife, Sue. They have two gorgeous daughters. Please welcome all the way from Abu Dhabi live today. It is JP Dumini. Yay! The crowd goes wild. Amazing, amazing. Quarantine. <laughs> Hello, bro. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out and joining us today. I really appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure. Good to be on the platform and, uh, and engage in some really interesting conversation. I think it's important and I think it's great to, uh, to have these and I'm so glad that you're open to, to doing this. Um, I, I saw you for the first time in person and met you quickly at the Cape Town City Fest last year. Uh, I love Cape Town City Fest in Mitchell's Plain. Uh, what an amazing day that was and it was so great to, to hear your story. Uh, and uh, do you do that kind of thing often, doing your, giving your testimony or is that like one of the first times? I've done it a few times. Uh, I must say it is a, the first sort of platform where it's outside, firstly, but also yeah. the amount of people and, and just the sort of environment that I was in was was very different. Uh, so it was a little bit intimidating, but at the end of the day, you realize that it's not about you. You know, your, your story is one that can impact so many. Mm. And even though there were thousands of people there, uh, if your story impacts one person, I think that's that's good enough. And, and uh, we all about salvation and saving souls, and and that's sort of the business, I guess, we all in in terms of sharing our stories. So yeah, uh, yeah impacts many more along the way. That's powerful, man. I love it. And uh, you've been given such a great platform to do that. Uh, we'll get into a bit more of that just now. Um, it's, uh, with our ministry, we, we really believe in God's plan for family, for marriages, and uh, it's so great to see uh, that you, you, well, I don't know you that well, but it looks like you love your wife, you love your daughters, you guys are doing well, uh, you've had some challenges. I read your article in the Joy magazine, uh, and Yaich, and obviously we all go through through things in life and, and with your spiritual journey. Um, but please tell us, uh, how did you and your wife meet and how long was it from meeting till you popping the question? So we actually met at a cricket function. Uh, this was in 2000, end of 2008, I think it was. Yeah, so just before I, I went on, a, on, a, on an Australian tour. And uh, she was actually, believe it or not, it was the launch of our new sponsor for the Proteus, which was Hummel, I think, at the time. So okay. it was the launch of the new uh, that we were going to be using for the upcoming tour. And she was uh, still a student, and as a part-time job, she was doing modeling. And she was one of the models that was uh, modeling the new gear. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Caught one another's eye, and the rest <laughs> was history. Wow, that's amazing. And the uh, time frame, uh, so we got married in 2011, but we got engaged the year before that, so 2010, so probably a year and a half before we, before we got engaged. Okay, cool. 
And um, apart from the fact that, you know, she's obviously, you know, a beautiful lady, what, what, when you got to know, what, what stood out for you about her? What is the sort of one word that you would use to describe her? A kind heart. You know, she is such a, such an amazing human being. Uh, you know, she treats me with the utmost respect and love on a daily basis. And I, I often say this to her, one of, one of the biggest things that gravitated me towards her, particularly in the early years, was that she allowed me to just be me. Mm. She never tried to uh, sort of alter certain things about me. Uh, I mean, back then, we, both of us, we, we didn't know Jesus back then. I mean, that, that was only came a few years later. Okay. Uh, but she, she, never, she never looked down at me. She never tried to change me. She, she often says back then already, she, was, she always just used to pray for me. Wow. And, and I mean, that was, was, was quite a powerful process for us to go through. And I, I know we'll, we'll obviously get into that a little bit later. But, you know, her heart is, is a real special, special part of her, uh, which, I, which I love completely. Amazing. And you've got two beautiful daughters. And uh, please tell us how old are they now? And yeah, even though they're still young, what, what kind of word would you have for each one of them as well? So the eldest one is five, Isabella. Uh, the younger one is two, Alexa Rose. So Isabella, um, she's a bit of a madam. <laughs> I think that, uh, I'm sure you people would have seen pictures of her on social media. She's got the poses waxed already. Oh, you know, my she's words. kind of following uh, mom's footsteps. <laughs> and she's the rebel, man. She's the, the tough cookie, you know. Uh, she's the one that picks the fights with the older one. She dominates. Uh, so yeah, we're going to have our hands full in years to come. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I just, uh, we have three boys and now a daughter. So I'm, I may, you know, you've got a five, five year head start. So I'm, I might have to come for some tips. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Uh, and uh, they obviously, you know, you're away now for a while. Um, how do you, do you guys have a daily or twice daily chat, video chat? How do you keep in touch when you're away like this? Yeah, thank goodness for for technology. Mm. Uh, so we we catch up catch up over Zoom every day, uh, sometimes twice a day. Uh, with my wife, it's probably four times a day to be honest. So so we we catch up and just have you know all conversations that you would have when you're back home. Yeah, uh, I think that's the beauty of of getting through these kind of times and processes because look, I mean, I, I guess in some way we are used to it, but it, when I say the words used to it, you know, it never gets easier. Mm. You, uh, you grow accustomed to how to deal with being away from your family. And, uh, yeah, so we try and keep in touch as best as possible. Uh, obviously the younger one starting to talk a little bit now and understand you better the older one, she sometimes takes the phone and, and kind of raps and have a conversation with me. And yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. But yeah, it's tough. You know, we, we don't take it lightly. I mean, being, being in this environment and, and getting this opportunity is amazing. It's an amazing experience. And I'm very grateful for it. But there's always sacrifices that come with it. So yeah, we, we take it day by day, my friend. Okay. How, how long are you still away before you can head home? Another month. Yo, that's long, eh? Wow. Hectic. Yeah. 
Sjoos, sterkte. <laughs> Ons sal vir jou bid, dis uh, hektiek. Um, you, I did, I did prepare you for this, uh, and, and I, it's something I do with all my guests. I have to, I have to ask, because, you know, you're, you're this famous cricketer, you're up there, you know, you're idolized, you're on the pedestal, and just sometimes it's good for, you know, people to, to hear that even, even people like you, have embarrassing moments. So, <laughs> are you willing to share an embarrassing moment with us today? So, so I'll, I'll share a, an embarrassing moment, or not moment, but embarrassing thing, really. It's still ongoing. And if my wife was on the call, she will actually, uh, she will chuckle quite a bit. Uh, so, when I was two years old, uh, I, I guess it, it became just a, a comfort, you know, like if you think of babies and, and, and kids that grow up. So, for instance, like my youngest daughter now, she's got a blanket that she puts in her mouth. Okay. And that's like a comfort. When you, and I, I think various people have those comforts. And my comfort is a blanket as well. But the what? blanket is, is a <laughs> to the ends of the blanket, like the, the end of the blanket, right? Oh, yeah. And my and toes, I call them in there, <laughs> and that is my comfort. So that that is what I, I I literally miss it and I crave it when I'm away because I don't actually bring the blanket with me. Okay, but it's a blanket. It's a blanket that I've. It's not the same one that I had when I was two years old, but it's a similar one. But I've probably had the current one for about ten years. Obviously, washed it many times. <laughs> one uh, would hope, yeah. <laughs> But there's uh yeah, there's a texture about it that I just love the feeling of in between my fingers and toes. And oh man, it's so good. That, just thinking about it now. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you for being vulnerable and, and sharing that with us. <laughs> I actually one of my one of my childhood friends, uh, he I don't know if he still does it, but he was he was an adult and he was still he had a thing about rubbing the corner of his pillow would help him go to sleep. So I guess, you know, we all have our little things that, <laughs> that we gravitate towards. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Um, you came on the cricket scene as a 17-year-old. That was, that was quite young. And uh, when did you start playing? And did you, did you always think, man, I want to do this for a living? Or was it just like, I love it, I'm good at it, and then things kind of happened from there? What, what was your experience with that? So, I mean, cricket started for me when I was about eight years old. Uh, that's when I started playing cricket uh, for Strandfontein Cricket Club. Okay. And, yeah, then it, it just progressed from there. So my very first game that I played for for the club, I actually got a first ball duck. <laughs> I remember walking off at eight years old, and I just thought to myself, well, okay, I guess it can only get better from here. It can't yeah. be worse. <laughs> yeah, that's a good attitude, yeah. <laughs> But then, you know, you know it, it progressed quite quickly after that. And uh, I then uh, ended up playing uh, a few years for Strandfontein and then went to high school. But that, that, that stint for Strandfontein was one where, you know, things kind of kicked in, where I got 100 when I was age 12. I scored my highest 100 back then in my junior years, actually. My wow. first one sure. was 176. Yo. And... Uh, yeah, and that was in a 36-over game, believe it or not. My goodness. So, you clapped so those lighties. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> and um, so, so that's where it started. And then, then cricket became a lot more serious for me because I, I then ended up playing for 
the junior levels of Western Province, and then made the South African under-17 side, then South African under-19 side in 2001. Amazing. So 2001, when I was 17, and that, that was when I uh, got a, a senior contract. Sure. Uh, so I was actually in trick, very fortunate. I was in matric and I was earning a salary. Yeah. Uh, so I, I gained a few friends in matric. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, that's that's kind of where it started. And then you know it it fast tracked very quickly actually. When so remember, 17 professional uh, for Western Province, and then yeah. age 20 already, I call up to play for South Africa. Sure. And. It was it was a very interesting journey in that I was somebody when I was younger I was really lazy. Okay, that's the honest truth. I was I was quite a lazy character, but I was very talented and I relied heavily on that talent. And uh, I I got found out, you know, uh, when I was twenty. I then made the West, the South African team as I mentioned there, and I realized coming into that environment how how far behind I was still on various fronts, particularly around the fitness side of things. You know, there were certain standards that you needed to uh, be at and so forth, and I wasn't. So, you know, it didn't go very well initially. In okay. 2004, I, uh, I, had a, I had a terrible tour of Sri Lanka. The team didn't play well, and then I got left out for three years. And it was an interesting time in my life where I, I pretty much wanted to give up the game there. Sure. And I needed to I needed to discover why I started playing or, or not discover but sort of rediscover yeah, right? yeah. why start playing this game. Yeah. We we started playing because you loved it, you had fun, you had a you just enjoyed playing with your friends, particularly in the in the road in front of your house, you know, you used to manufacture wickets and balls and all those kind of things. Yeah. And this was a, a process that I needed to go through. I needed to get a glimpse of what it could be like, and then almost come back to a point where, all right, I need to do a lot more work here to actually get there again, but more importantly, how do I stay there? Sure. And and that uh, that was a three-year process for me, and I was very fortunate to have some good people around me to help me. Uh, so that process was one where I needed to get fitter, stronger, get a better understanding of my own game. Uh, what are actually my goals and aspirations? Uh, you know, I, I yes play for South Africa was one yeah and, and that was it was very much driven by my dad my dad was probably my biggest supporter as a youngster and he he was a, a massive encouragement along with my mom and my grandparents man my grandparents I don't think missed a single game that's amazing in Cape Town awesome they were there every Saturday I remember seeing that blue Toyota Corolla side of the field <laughs> and they and a cricket and, uh, game is long. I have sat through some primary school cricket games. They are short technically, but they feel very long. So, I mean, you must really love someone to sit through so many games. That's amazing. <laughs> remember, I mean, back then there wasn't 20 over cricket. So yeah. it was all day cricket. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It was it was all day, but they, they loved it. They loved supporting me. So good. And in this process, like I was talking to you about there, 2004 to 2007 was just a, a process of really trying to find the love for the game again and, and rediscover the why. And then 2007 got back into the South African team and, uh, yeah, never looked back. That's amazing. And I think that's such a – actually a great bit of advice for anyone in a sport field of any kind is is – 
you know, many people get noticed like you because of just raw talent. That's amazing. And, and uh, I, I also, I had a s- bit of a similar experience with music where you just, I'm able to sing. So people would ask me, I'm a, yeah. you know, do you, do you train every day? Do you do this, do that? I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, but I think I should. And, <laughs> and you, you do get lazy. And at some point you le- realize, man, I have to up my game because there's a point where, you know, talent goes and then hard work catches up with the talent and yeah, it gets interesting. But that's, that's a great piece of advice for, for young sportsmen. I think that's awesome. Um, what, do you, what is your experience been? You've, you've played provincially and nationally for our country. You've, you've captained South Africa, uh, and, but you've also played for IPL, which is, it seems, a bit more of a, the, the entertainment factor is bigger. Um, what, is, what would you say are the biggest differences between playing for your national team and, and playing IPL? Yeah, I think firstly, you know, when you're playing for your your national team, I think the thing that stands out the most is this understanding of representing sixty million people. Sure. And it, it is it is not something that gets shared a lot. When I say shared a lot, I'm talking about in our environment. Mm. It's not something that's shared a lot in terms of what that responsibility looks like. And I think there's a better understanding now. Uh, probably in the last decade of us speaking more about that and what does it mean to actually be a role model or seen as a role model. Yeah, wow. You know, there's responsibilities that I think we need to uh, be mindful of and and accept and, and not accept it as an extra pressure, actually see it as a real privilege. And and for me, that that was that's the, the sort of headline standout for me. When it comes to IPL, uh, you know, not saying that it's you don't represent something bigger than yourself or more than yourself. I think it's it's more just there's as you mentioned there an entertainment factor. Mm. It's kind of like it's almost like a rock star environment in a yeah. way where <laughs> superstars come together and represent a certain team from all different countries. Yeah, and represents, let's say, a Delhi Daredevils back then or, or Delhi Capitals back now or now. And, uh, you know, what does that mean to you? And, and I think you need to find the real reasons why you represent. Yes, it's it's very lucrative. I mean, that's that's a, a big factor. But there needs to be something more than that. And there's always that pride in performance, for sure. But on top of that as well, it has to be more than winning. And, and that's, for me, one of the key components in my learning over the last 20 years is that playing sport can't only be about winning. Winning is a big factor. We, we always walk out to that field and we play to want to win the game and yeah. be victorious and give of up. Course. We need to understand that there's a greater calling on our lives when we have these opportunities. We represent something bigger than ourselves. And in this case, my, in my life, I like to see it as an audience of one where I'm representing God who's blessed me with his talent. And I want to showcase the best of me, you know, and that's not always easy because you, you succumb to pressure, you, you buckle under certain circumstances, you don't always get it right. But the beauty of it is, you know, if you, if you think of yourself as a father and I mean, you've got boys and, and one girl there, but if your son was playing sport, you know, and he possibly doesn't put in a big performance, you're not going to shout at him or tell him you're not good enough. You're going to encourage him. And then that's how I see it from my relationship with God is, you know, he wants me to give my best continuously. 
and represent him well. Uh, but if it doesn't go well, you know, he's there as a loving father to support me and encourage me. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I've gone a little bit off, off book there. But That's the fine. differences are <laughs> what does it mean to represent either side? Uh, and just the, the crowds. I think the crowds in itself as well, from an IPL point of view, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, 60,000 people at most stadiums, and the noise is just second to none. It's next level. Uh, so, like I said, it's a rock star. It's like being in a concert and just <laughs> show. Yeah, it's awesome. Ah, oh, cool, man. I, I can only imagine what that must be like I, I, to be on the field. I, I, I was at one... Uh, in Durban a couple of years back just shortly after the whole idea started and uh, got to yep. do a little performance there on the side of the field and but just, it's it's just you know the one thing after the other and it's it's loud and exciting and busy and it, oh, it was incredible so I can only imagine what it must be like to walk out in that field <laughs> it's really yeah, something it is, special yeah. sure um, you you've You've had quite a lot of life experience, uh, even at a fairly young age, and uh, you've—I uh, can hear—you've learned a lot. You've grown a lot. There's a lot of wisdom, and you've decided to to give, to give back to the community you come from. You've you've started your organization, uh, the JP21 Foundation, and uh, the link is is in the description for those who want to go check out what they do and how it works. Um, and I'm. I'm assuming that's a big part of what you are now busy with and focusing on. But can you maybe tell us what with what do you hope to achieve or dream about achieving with the rest of your life? You know, that's an that's a, such an interesting question. And I think if I go back 20 years, you know, you kind of look at your your potential career as a player. And you have this idea of mapping out a, a potential career in, in cricket and playing for the Proteus for X amount of years. And, and it's, it seems so clear in terms of what that path is. Mm. You know, and, and interestingly, not many people uh, prepare you well enough for what's after that. Okay. And, and I'm sure you've heard and seen many sportsmen kind of fall off the wagon, so to speak. You know, after after their playing days, mm. and you know, I had glimpses of that. Honestly, when I when I left um, the Proteus last year, I lacked purpose. Mm. I, I lacked a greater calling into why I was still playing. And I mean, I I eventually sort of discovered that. I discovered it to be it was actually parting wisdom and knowledge and and sharing experiences with the younger generation coming through. And part of that process was was just me playing and being part of that team. And yes, you still want to perform, but the greater purpose was being there for the younger generation. Sure. Now, playing, I, the, the honest answer to that is I'm still trying to, to see where God is leading me in that. Okay. So if I had to answer that definitively, I think it lies within coaching. I think it lies within... Uh, when I say coaching, I'm talking about coaching, but also mentorship. So uh, I, I've got this big passion and drive for culture and team culture, basically. And we spoke earlier about what does it mean to represent 60 million people, mm. right? Now that in itself, that thought in itself can be quite daunting. And my, my belief is that we need to prepare our, our players at a young age to understand what that means. And I, I believe that that ties into culture, that, that, that ties into 
understanding who you represent, why you represent them, what does it mean to you to represent them, mm. and uh, and those are the driving forces that keep you going on a day-to-day basis. That is not only your performance. Understand that what you're doing here is something greater than just bat and ball. You are a representation of our country and what it stands for. We stand Stands for, we stand for resilience. I mean, if you think about the protea flower, mm. and we are called the proteas, mm. I mean, the, the significant protea flower is that it is the first flower to regenerate after a felt fire. So if you, if you put in the context of felt fire being a challenging circumstance or, or challenging situation, and all of a sudden you the protea comes and you know shows that resilient mindset. Uh, so that was something that we resonated with uh, for a long period of time and still do. And so, so it's those kind of aspects that, uh, soft skill aspects that I believe are, are key components into us being a successful team. And yes, we haven't necessarily gotten over the line of winning a World Cup and so forth. But again, I still believe it's greater than that because as much as winning a World Cup is brilliant and we never want to shy away from that, we also got to understand what do we do if we do win a World Cup, what do you do with it? Yeah. You know, it's such a question. It's not only about winning a World Cup. It's actually what you do with it. If you get given something of great responsibility, uh, the old Spider-Man uh, <laughs> saying. Yeah. And I think that is that is where I'm leading towards. Now, I don't know what that looks like yet. Um, you know, a lot of it is tied to the foundation, yes. But also in, in, in ministry work that, that I'm involved in from time to time. And also just being an inspiration to the youth. I've got a huge passion for youth of South Africa. Awesome. And, you know, I've, I've partnered up with a few uh, organizations that, that are very much involved in youth development uh, and youth empowerment. And for me, when I, when I stand in front of them and I share stories and I try to inspire and encourage, it is such a huge privilege to do that. Because, like you said, the, you know, I've been blessed with a platform. So if the platform is the responsibility, you know, the question is, what are you going to do with it? And for me, it's about trying to maximize that and, and, and I guess, serve and, and share as best as possible. That's awesome. I love it. What, what I also hear from your story is how important it is to know your identity and to be secure in it so that as the seasons of life change, your identity is not so founded on what you do that you lose who you are when that ends and that sense the season ends um but that you actually know who you are apart from that um i've i've uh, you know i can relate in a, in a weird way with the music industry where uh, i've had to i've had to ask myself the question when i lost my voice uh, for a long period of time um you know who are you without being able to sing <laughs> and so I can relate a little bit to, to what you're saying. It's so important to know, you know, that I am loved by God. I am called by God, not because of my talent, you know, but not because of my platform. Those are things he also gives that, you know, can be used to his glory, but it can never become the Isaac, you know, the, the thing that's more important than him. And I think that's that's the challenge for, for all of us with that have been given these things. So. That's uh, like you say, with yeah. great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> That's good. Um, powerful word, uh, identity. 
And you hit the nail on the head there, man. I just want to elaborate, elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah. Um, and I think us as a country, we, well, let, let's, let's predominantly speak about our country. I mean, we struggle with that. Mm. And when I speak, I, I think I include myself in that. Because as much as I know where my identity lies, and I think you can relate to this as well, there are moments in time where you forget it, yeah. where you lose track of it. Mm. You get caught up in a worldly view of what is important. Uh, you know, where does you get caught up in the fact that me as a cricketer, I, that is my identity. You as a as a performer, as a singer, that's your identity. And people relate to you in that way, but people need to see beyond that. You know, you want people to see beyond that, and you yeah. want to see for yourself. And, and that is such a such a uh, potent conversation to have. You know, and that's why I was talking about youth empowerment. This is such an important topic for youth empowerment because, you know, as a young young woman and young man growing up, we're still very naive and, and immature in, in how we view the world. So it's all about status, it's about what you wear, it's about what you have. And, and this is what society teaches us. But we need to come to an understanding of where a firm foundation is. And that is in Christ. We, we, we've come to understand that for ourselves, and we need to share that as best as possible. Uh, yeah. But how do we share that? We share that out of love. Mm. It's, it's not, it's not uh, you know, you must do this. It, it is out of pure love. If our intentions of our hearts are not pure in how we share the word, the gospel, um, you know, it, it's not going to work. It yeah. needs to be out of your love. So true. And uh, on that note, I would love for you to to share your story of how you gave your life to Christ, uh, how has God, God's love unlocked your life? Um, I, I read the story in the Joy magazine, it's, and I heard it that day at Cape Town. It's so powerful. Um, I'd love for people to, to hear it and, and be inspired by it. And uh, you can maybe even elaborate on some other important moments and milestones since that moment for you that brought you to where you are today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I grew up in a in an environment and in a home where I knew about God. I mean, I went to church uh, more, I would say, out of the fact that I was probably forced in a way. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, it's part, of, box it's part of the culture more than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as I was 18, um, so I didn't always have the opportunity to uh, to go to church. Are you still there? Yeah, you just froze for a second. I'm not sure why. But you can hear me, yeah? I can hear you, yeah. Hopefully your your image will come back. But we yeah, can we can hear you. Image. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you clearly. All right. Yeah, so I'll, I'll carry on. Uh, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of the foundation of it. And... And then as I went through my career, the early 2000s, you know, I went through a period of time, particularly in dealing with pressure, particularly in dealing with uh, the pressures of playing for South Africa and what that meant. And, you know, how did I deal with the criticism, uh, the negativities that came with it? Uh, I, I succumbed to, you know, partying, drinking. You know, that was, that was my... That was my release. Uh, that was how I coped with, with everything that was happening around me. And, 
you know, it got to a point where I used to wake up after uh, big nights where I used to get panic attacks. And, you know, all I wanted to do was literally just lock myself in my bedroom uh, more times than not we in a hotel room so I could do that. Yeah. You know, you don't go anywhere. You don't want to see anyone. You're just like in a, in a dark hole. And most times how I would deal with that was actually just probably drink again. Sure. Yeah. That was that was kind of the coping mechanism. Mm. And then I and then a very good friend of mine, Dieter Swanepoel, uh, he was the fitness trainer for, for the Cobras at the time in 2010. And he... Yeah, we became very close. He was he was a newly found Christian. Uh, he he I think it was probably a year into him being saved, and and we just we grew close. And um, you know, I felt I felt comfortable to share a little bit of my experiences with him. And then one night, he invited me to a, a Bible study. And this was at a pastor's house, and I was one of four people that went to the pastor's house, and. It was so uncomfortable being there <laughs> because there's three other people, right? But, yeah. but yet I, like everybody had a magnifying glass on me. Yes. And, but, and I didn't say much at this Bible study, but mm. what I did was I took the pastor's number and I said, listen, do you mind us meeting up one-on-one? And we did. We, we ended up meeting Every time I came back into South Africa or I had time within my within my schedule, uh, we would meet for lunch, breakfast, coffee, whatever it may be, and we would just talk. You know, I, I had so many questions about faith um, and, and just my journey that I was on. And he would literally just sit there and answer my questions, and he would pray for me. He would never force me to do anything. He would never tell me I must do this or I must do that. He literally just was a friend, and he encouraged me. And so uh, in 20, 2012, I got uh, we went on a tour to Australia, and I got um, I got injured on that tour, unfortunately. And um, I had a horrific uh, Achilles tendon uh, injury where I snapped my Achilles tendon, so I was out for seven months. Oof, I know. But back now, man, it was all in God's plan, and. <laughs> You know, this was now a time where I was now spending more time at home, mm. obviously. So I caught up more with him as well. And the very, I remember the very first time we met when I, when I had the injury. And I said to him, like, I'm concerned and I'm worried about my position in the team. Mm. And all he told me was, just stay in your lane. Stay in your lane in terms of what do you need to do? What do I need to do? I need to work on my recovery. I need, it's going to take time for me to get better. And I just focus on that. I can't be focusing on what other people is doing in, in the team and the performances that they're putting in because it was about my recovery. And he was there as a, as a support structure for me and various others. And, um, you know, after seven months, we came back. I was fortunate enough. I, I went straight back into the national team. You know, they, they selected me. And my very first game was 150 not up. And I look back at it like, wow, how good was that? <laughs> sure. And, um, and then we went to, a, a few months later, we went to a, a tour of, of Sri Lanka. Now in this, okay, so another bit of context for the seven-month period, Faf Duplessis, he actually got saved in this time. And he then came into the team 
on the on the Sri Lankan tour with a goal of starting a Bible study, and I was his first culprit, as you can call it. <laughs> guinea pig. And, and then, yeah, the guinea pig. We, we, we started a conversation in his bedroom one night about certain things, and, um, you know, we went through this devotional book, and at the end of the devotional, it said, all right, we're going to pray now. And, man, how nervous was I? I mean, I've faced 150 kilometers. I've played in, th- in front of 50,000 people. And yeah, I was sitting with Fakti Plessis in his room. And he's asked me to pray. And I was so nervous. Sure. Anyway, we, we, we prayed. And um, I think I might have said something for 10 seconds. And, and that was it. But in the end, our, our, our group grew. And it was myself, uh, Faf, obviously, and then A.B. de Villiers and David Muller. And... We then, we then built this Bible study group through, through weeks in that tour, and I think it was third or fourth week into the tour, the devotional book that we're going through, chapter for the one night on 27th of July, I think it was, yeah, 2013, was Salvation. And we went through this chapter, and uh, at the end of the chapter, uh, there was a question, you know, are you willing to commit your life to Christ? And we kind of, myself and David Miller and, and A.B., we looked at each other and we were like, right, we're in. You know, and that, that was it. And um, we prayed the Lord's Prayer. And uh, funny story about that, I think you might have heard this, um, was while we were praying, uh, I, I, I kind of felt like this white flesh come upon us. Sure. But my eyes were tightly closed, so yeah, yeah. I kind of... And, you know, after we prayed and uh, I then said to the guys, man, did you guys feel that? Did you, did you see the, this white uh, sort of flesh that came, came past us? I honestly felt it was like a opening up of the heavens kind of, <laughs> kind of moment. <laughs> and Faf breaks out laughing, you know. He says that was him standing over us taking a picture and it was the flesh going off. <laughs> Sometimes you just want it to be, you know, something supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And, you know, when I share the story, and, and people often tell me, don't underestimate the power of what that, that moment was like for you. Yeah. Because heavens did open up. The angels yeah. rejoiced in that moment. Um, and that was the starting point of, of us coming to, to commit our lives to Christ. And, um, yeah, we, we've walked the journey now. What has it been? Seven years alongside one another, um, by ourselves, with various other people. Myself and Faf, we're still very, very good friends. Um, and and one of the, the great pillars for our friendship is our faith that we share together. Yeah. Uh, and, and that has been an amazing testimony in itself for myself and for him. And sure. being able to share it over the world. I mean, we've uh, I've certainly experienced in India, I've, I've visited many churches and schools and sharing uh, my testimony there, and uh, yeah, it's been an amazing honor and privilege that through an IPL experience that you get selected for, you get invited to share your story uh, at various churches in India and at schools, which has been a ma- massive privilege. That's amazing. Sure, uh, I love that. And and what I'm hearing is how how important it was to have that mentor in your life, that uh, dis- someone discipling you through 
through a process and just loving on you, you know. And uh, as you said, and, and, and I can hear it's important to you, the fact that he just listened. He didn't Bible bash yeah. or judge. Uh, he just loved and gave you truth in love. And I think that's so important. And then finding a group of guys you can walk with, uh, you know, that accountability, that iron sharpening iron. That's amazing yep. and, and so encouraging. Uh, and I think that's a great example for, for us. And I mean, every time you guys get together, even though it's four or five guys in a room, that's church. That's what church is actually all about, is, is doing life together in that way. Sure, it's amazing. Can you you speak about uh, handling the pressures of of you know playing cricket at that level? Could you could you elaborate a little bit on the difference between dealing with that pressure before coming to Christ and then after coming to Christ, having walked with some guys and and working through some stuff? Did 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 you get a new perspective? Was it in a way easier dealing with the position you're in? Yeah, so I mean, I, I mentioned earlier about how I dealt with the pressure, right? Yeah. Uh, and that partying and drinking and so forth. And I think post coming to Christ, it was more about that word that we were speaking about earlier, identity. Mm. And if, I, if I'm honest in saying where was my identity wrapped in, it was in my performance. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. that is what brought that external pressure is because when it wasn't happening, you felt worthless. Sure. You felt like nothing. And, you know, the, the world we live in, unfortunately, when you're operating in the professional world, people, they don't care about you necessarily. They just yeah. care about the performance. The results. Uh, and I'm, not saying, I'm talking about a gen, the general, general public. Mm. And, you know, the, the things that people were saying to me got to me. And... I then unfortunately wrapped my identity around that, what people were saying about me. And then post coming to know Christ, I realized that it was actually about what he said about me, that I'm able, that I'm, that I'm good enough. Amen. You know? So good. And I being grounded and that was my foundation. Mm. And again, I, I said it earlier, there are still moments in time where you, you lose sight of it. You lose sight of it. Um, you know, coming to know Christ and, and being born again doesn't mean that your life becomes rosy. No, you know, if anything, it probably becomes a little bit more challenging because <laughs> you are surrounded. Yeah, and people, people, intentions around you. And uh, for me, that was the difference. Difference, understanding where my foundation and my identity was in, uh, and you know, it's a continuous journey of being rooted in him and, and connecting with him on a daily basis, whether it be through prayer, the word, uh, through Bible study, through conversation with people. Those are the foundations of how we stay connected to him. And yeah, I've been really privileged to to have amazing people around me. And I speak about the pastor that, that uh, was there from the beginning. I mean, he's the, the pastor of my church. Um, which uh, which and, church is you know, that? Uh, Grace Family Church in 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 Plumstead. Okay, uh, it's Pastor you, Craig. Eh? Uh, how do you say his last name? Kube. Kube. Okay, Craig Kube. Yeah. Kube. Sorry, Kube. 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 Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I read it. I was like, I don't know how to pronounce this. So I'm glad. I'm glad you you got to mess it up, not me. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Something like. You know, the, the great privilege that I have is that we still connect 
uh, even today in, in, in these kind of platforms. So yeah. I, mean, I caught up with him last I think it was over Zoom, you know, and still going through the same things of, of just him being there and encouraging me and in a different context now, yeah. different capacity. I'm as a commentator now and, you know, different things are part of my life now. Uh, obviously, family being one, trying to, to navigate your way through what's next in your life, where's God leading you. Mm. Uh, and you get you get glimpses of it. You get glimpses of it. And, you know, it's great to be able to have conversations with people about it that can just encourage you in it and not tell you the answers. You're not looking for answers to say, right, you must go this way, go that way. But just listen to you and encourage you and pray with you. Mm. And I've got so many people like that in my life, which I'm grateful for. Uh, and, I, and, you know, if there's any anything that I can share that is of utmost importance, as you said, is that support structure, man. Yeah, so good. If you if you could uh, talk to your 17-year-old self, looking back on, you know, the last couple of years, what, what would you say to 17-year-old JP Dumini? That your performance is not the end-all and be-all of who you are. I think that's the most simplest way to put it. Powerful. You know, we've, I've, I've been so blessed with an amazing talent and ability. And, you know, people often ask me this question, right? So do they think, like, if, if you compare ability to stats, as in numbers, do you think that you, do you think that you fulfill your potential? How often have you heard that question? Sure. Have you, have you fulfilled your potential? And there's a part of me that feels possibly not. Okay. And here's, here's the contrasting thought to that for me, is that I believe that part of the story, that part of the journey is what's going to empower others going forward. Yeah, I, I, would, I would ask that question you know, differently. I think if we, if we are saved, born again, believers in Christ, the, the, you know, when you stand in front of God one day, uh, he's not going to look at your stats on the cricket yeah, yeah, board. Yeah. He's he's going to look at the 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 fruits of your life, spiritually speaking, and that's what's going to be tested, um, and that's what really matters. I think if we can wrap our heads around that, I, I mean, the Bible says we must do everything as if unto the Lord, and for me, that's that speaks about really, you know, obviously giving your best and and being excellent at what you do. Um, and let the achievement be about glorifying God and using the gift you've been given to the full capacity. I think that is healthy and good. But at the same time, that is, that is not something that uh, impresses God as much as us loving Him and, and just be, wanting to be with Him. Um, I, I actually had this uh, challenging conversation with my oldest boy the other day and I realized that when I when I speak to him about his uh, how he's doing in school, that right. if I say anything negative, he thinks I'm disappointed in him, like in his identity. And I had to I had to clearly explain to him, you know, there's a difference between me loving you for who you are, and you know, knowing that you have you can do better if you just concentrate, focus, work a bit harder. We have, we, it's hard for kids to separate that. And I think it's hard for us as well with God. And, and that's kind of what you spoke about earlier is, is making that uh, separation between my performance and who I am. I think that's, that's important. I'm, 
that for me has, has been a, a great message for today. Sure. Um, I wanna, I wanna know if if you would be willing to share on a topic that is sensitive and difficult. Um, yep. I've had some people on my program who who have a similar situation. They have a multiracial marriage, like you do. Um, you know, in South Africa, these are sensitive subjects. And uh, how have you experienced that? Have you guys had any difficult encounters? Um, have you had people say nasty things? Uh, or has it been pretty smooth sailing for, for you and Sue? Look, there have been some, some interesting moments. Uh, I wouldn't say it was too hectic. Um, but I say that with the utmost respect to my wife, saying maybe it wasn't too hectic for me. Yeah. Uh, because maybe I'm my personality is one. I, the best way to describe it is like I'm I'm pretty naive most times, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I always want to see the glass off full, you know. And okay. and sometimes it bites me, but you know, for for my wife, I guess that's why she's so good for me is being able to see things that I don't. Okay. So so with regards to this topic, uh, there was a statement made once in a in a article. Uh, saying that I married up, and sure. what that was stating was, you know, for me to be successful in a way was I needed to have a white woman on my arm, mm. and for me, actually, I mean, I didn't even take note of that, and maybe that's got to do with my career because people are criticizing me all the time, so I, I'm needing to kind of be numb to that kind of idea of people speaking about you. Yeah, but really really hurt my wife mm. really uh, and she she reacted in a calm way but she stood up for what she believed in and um, that was probably the one experience we had where I would say that we were discriminated against in a way and um, yeah but but apart from that I don't think it's been too challenging uh, you know initially when our, our when my family heard about Sue and, and Sue's family heard about me, there was a little bit of, who's this guy, who's this girl kind of scenario. Okay, okay. So, because you, you grow up in certain cultures and it's 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 not normal yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. But once they got to know me, once they got to know her, it was, man, they loved us completely and they still do. And that's, and that's the beauty of our relationship. That's awesome. What, what would your advice be that to... Is, Sorry, you broke up there for a sec. Say again. Now, I was saying for me, ultimately, that is what's most important is that our families love one another. Yeah. Uh, we know that we love one another. And making sure that in the messaging to our kids, you know, again, we understand that they're going to be exposed to different things in the world. But it's important in terms of the messaging that we give them that color... Um, Color is not important in terms of how you treat somebody. Yeah. It's about loving them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So good. So we've, we've, uh, we've spoken about some, we've mentioned some terms today which are very well known uh, through Christianity, um, mm -hmm. salvation, faith, you know, and, and some other words that I, I want to ask you because I think that a lot of these words, we may not, it may have been watered down in our understanding. And when it becomes watered down in our understanding, we may not 
understand the weight of what these things are and whether we actually ha- you know, have sorted it out for ourselves, the true meaning of it, scripturally speaking. The reason I'm saying that is something like salvation, for, for instance, you know, I think there's a lot of people that grew up like, you know, you mentioned you grew up in a Christian home. I also grew up in a Christian home and went to church and did all the stuff. And I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know him personally. Um, and I think there's a lot of that that goes around. So I I just want to throw a few words at you and, and yep. ask you to tell me how you understand them, because maybe it can help someone listening today. Uh, as, as, in, as how they see those things. So, first one, one you've spoken about, uh, salvation. How do you understand salvation? So, the best way to describe it is I, I see myself as a broken person. Uh, and I, when I say broken, I'm talking about I'm a sinful creature. And by understanding the word, and by when I say understanding the word, what it says about salvation it speaks about how we can't save ourselves. And I'm reminded um, by this scripture from the book of Matthew, I actually got in front of me here. For whoever wants to save their lives will lose it, but mm. whoever loses their life for me will find it. Mm. And I think the, 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 the premise for me around salvation is service, is committing our lives to Christ in servitude of Him. Because he's done this amazing thing on the cross where he sacrificed himself for us so that we can have a relationship with God. And that for me is how I see salvation. Is that here's somebody that has gone on the cross and and performed this amazing thing for us so that we can have this relationship. And can we serve him in that manner to know that the magnitude of what he's done is it can't, it can't be replicated and you know we, we we've attempted i'm sure and, and maybe you yourself as well to a degree have attempted to save ourselves so if i think about before i came to know christ it was almost a case of right i i need to do things differently before god can accept me yeah and 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 the realization through conversation through understanding the word a little bit better is that it's actually you coming to Christ and him through the salvation through him mm. what it, it's what changes your life yeah he came, he came to seek and save the lost not the perfect exactly yeah I was I was lost well, yeah well, I think that's we that's, all need him so sure. uh, I, I remember going to this church I think it's um it was New Life Church in Johannesburg. They had a conference or something going on, and they had a massive sign in front of the church. It was this huge banner of a photo of just a chair, and the one leg of the chair is broken, and the chair is lying on its on its side. And it said at the bottom, "No perfect people allowed." <laughs> and I thought that that was that's quite brilliant, uh, and and kind of what you're talking about. So the next word I want to throw at you ties in with this, I think, and you kind of hinted at it. What do you understand under lordship? Lordship. So I, the way I would understand that would be that I'm always going to be under him. Uh, so he, he is my heavenly father. He is my Lord and Savior, which means that 
I'm always at the foot of his cross mm. and surrendering to him. So I'm, I'm reminded of this, this, this phrase saying Jesus, Jesus isn't inviting us into a life of comfort and ease, but one of surrender and sacrifice. Sure. Amen. And that's, yeah, I think that's how I, that's how I view it. I think that's great. And, um, would you say, what would you say about the importance of understanding obedience? So I, I think with any journey and, and growing deeper in your relationship in a journey, there's an element of obedience that needs to be a part of that. Mm. I mean, if we can just sort of uh, think about ourselves in a, in a relationship with, um, let's say, our own father uh, or even just a, a brother or a sister. You know, there's a, there's a, for the, the foundation and for the relation, relationship to blossom, there's an element of, um, of what you're talking about. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like, we, we need to have certain things in order and obedience, obediences take, take root yeah. for us to, to go deeper in the foundations of who we are in Christ. And, uh, and that comes through various things like prayer. Uh, like being able, if you're in a, in a difficult situation or difficult conversation or difficult environment, being able to say, guys, this is not for me, I'm out. Um, you know, and I, and I think about a cricketing context, context of how many times I've been in that environment. And not every time I've been strong enough to walk away, uh, but there have been moments and, and for me, that is the obedience in that, in that, Lord, this is not, this is not who I am. And, and it's not about just the fact that I'm walking away. Yeah. It's actually also the fact that, Lord, I can't walk away without you in me. <laughs> you know, and, and again, it's not, it's not solely with me. It's more surrendering to you, Father. Can you help me in this moment in being able to help me to be stronger in, these, in those moments? And, you know, it's something that I've been going through a lot in the, since I've been here. Obviously, in Abu Dhabi, I've got a lot of time on my hands. Lots, lots of thoughts <laughs> have gone through my head. And um, something that I've been really thinking about has been authenticity mm. in my relationship. So can I be, Lord, can I just be real with you right now? Yeah. Like, utterly, utterly raw and real. Mm. And saying like things like, you know what, I'm not happy about this right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just being real and authentic. And yeah. through that process, can you just show me what you are actually doing here? You know? As opposed to just, like, you know, getting on my knees and praying and, like, the acts being so, uh, it needs to be so pure. Can I just be real and authentic with you? So that's something that I've been working towards. I think that's important because that's uh, what you're actually talking about is is being vulnerable and 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 truthful. Like what's really going on in your heart? I think as long as we remember he's the king, uh, and and we need to have uh, you know the the right amount of biblical fear of the Lord, we can be real. You know, we can be completely. I've had those moments where I go, Lord, seriously. <laughs> What is going on? But I love how you bring it home. You, you, you ask the question, Lord, show me how you see this. And I think that's the big thing is getting a, a heavenly perspective on earthly things is always so uh, healthy and, and just breaks things open in an amazing way. We have, we have friends who 
they taught us this thing where, uh, and we saw it in practice, they, if they're having a difficult moment with their daughter, uh, they would say to her, okay, I hear you, but what does the Holy Spirit say? And then sometimes the daughter will actually leave the room and come back and say, okay, the Holy Spirit says, you know, I need to be more patient or whatever. And then the, the, <laughs> the, I was like, that is impressive. I'm going to remember that one. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's something about that, just taking a moment, like this is what I see with my, uh, you know, uh, my human eyes and my human experience, but, but I need to lift my eyes and see it through God's perspective and then it changes. It changes completely. It's, uh, that's amazing. Can I, can I throw two more words at you? Uh, do you have yep. time? Okay. Yeah. Faith. What is faith? Believing in the unseen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Yeah. yeah. Believing in the unseen. I think that's the simplest way to, to put it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what is... Do you have a, a, a faith moment that, that you recently had to go through where you, where, where you, you felt God say one thing, and, but it didn't look like that in the physical and you just had to walk it out? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a yeah, pretty recent story where um, I, myself and Sue, we were considering uh, an opportunity that came across our way to go to America. And, um, you know, it, it was more, it's more sort of a testimony for Sue, but I mean, it's it obviously affected our whole family. Yeah. Where, where God spoke so uh, plainly and openly to us. And because I, I, I was kind of feeling like, is this an opportunity that God is kind of bringing across our path? And he spoke to us so, so boldly in saying that it's not, it's not the time. I, it's almost like I need you. I need you where you are right now. Mm. You've got work. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And then, and then to have the obedience to to acknowledge yeah. His lordship and say yes. That that's amazing. And that's a, that's mm. why I, I'm you know obviously being quite deliberate with the words I'm asking, um, but it's. These are things I think we, we, without even maybe realizing it, we struggle with. And if we just take a moment and go, okay, what, what, what are these things? What do they actually mean? How does it look in my life? You know, and it makes a huge difference in, in how we do Christianity practically. Um, a while ago, I, I asked God um, wh whether this whole thing, Love Unlocks, was, you know, was it my idea or his idea? <laughs> And, uh, and I luckily felt God say, no, it was his idea. And I asked, asked him, is there anything I should change? And I just felt Holy Spirit say, just make sure people can walk away listening to this and apply something to their lives that will bring change, that will, you know, not just hear a nice story, but make it real, make it applicable. Um, so yep. in, in, that, in that regard, what would your message be to Christians in South Africa or the church in South Africa and how do we practically navigate this interesting time we're in and we, we I think pro probably the biggest things we're facing right now is coming out of this you know e economical difficulty with a lockdown and COVID that's kind of a one re big reality for many people and then on the other hand this racial tension 
we still have, you know, uh, farm murders escalating, the, the tensions around that escalating, um, you know, all these things that are happening, political unrest, there's so much. Um, what would your encouragement to the body of Christ be and how do we, how do we navigate this? There's two words that come to mind for me. It is actually three. It is authenticity, which I spoke about earlier, mm. empathy and love. So authenticity and, um, and empathy kind of go hand in hand in that. Can, can, can we reach our hand out to one another and not expect all the time, I'm talking about all the time, expect anything back in return? But sure. actually serve fellow mm. men. Wow. You know, Christ came Christ came not to be served, he came to serve. Yes. So if we want to be a representation of him, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty pretty accurate way of doing it, being able to serve others. And this thing about empathy is it, there's there's actually well, I've come to understand this a little bit better. There's there's actually quite a unique difference between sympathy and empathy. Mm. And I, and I often hear the story about how, how uh, an analogy rather, of what that looks like. If you walk past a ditch, for instance, and there's somebody stuck in that ditch, and you look at that person and you feel sorry for them and you want to help them, sympathy could look like, right, you find a ladder, you, you put the ladder down, and you allow them to, to walk up. Empathy, I believe, is like you find this ladder, you, you drop it down, you actually go down the ladder and you actually go and experience what they're experiencing and ask them what's happening down there. And then together, you actually walk up. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and It's good. And I believe that this is a calling on our lives in these times is really to empathize with one another. And the last point, the last point I made there was love, which kind of leads into that. You know, love is, I mean, it's interesting, the, the show is called Love Unlocked. And I think that that in itself explains it. Mm. It unlocks everything in our lives. It unlocks relationships. Um, it unlocks, uh, you know, the joy in our lives, to experience joy, the joy of the Lord. We, we need love in to afford love to others as well. And I mean, one of the greatest commandments in, in, the, in the Bible is love others as I've loved you. And can we live a life being loved? So live love. And I think that's the first foundation point. Live love and then pour that love out to, to somebody else. But you can't pour that love out until you, until you feel loved yourself. Yeah. You and know, that and, and that unconditional love that that he he gives us and the the beautiful word there is unconditional yeah it's not conditional yeah it's unconditional and can we find it in our hearts to to share that kind of love with people unconditional mm. that that is a that is a tough thing for us to do and i think that is what's the calling on our lives yeah i mean i'm just like if even if we can just do that among christians between different denominations and, uh, you know, that yeah. already will make a big difference. Uh, you know, not even to mention the, the world, the people that uh, don't believe. Uh, there's such a, there's so many div divisions 
and um, yeah. and I really believe that that and I think the the love part is encapsulates everything because and but it's only by God's love that we can do that and like you say we need his we need to receive his love and then become a river for for his love and uh, and yeah. and figure out what does that look like practically um, yeah and it's about like you know you you uh, quoted that scripture it's, it's quite amazing you quoted that scripture I actually read it this morning myself um, about that we need to lose our own lives um you know my wife and i were doing this marriage course and the the scripture I, I keep coming back to is ephesians 5 where it talks to the husbands and say you know lay down your life as a living sacrifice the same way christ laid down his life for the church and that's that's what men are called to be in marriage mm. it's you you die <laughs> to yourself you you love sacrificially and and, I, and that's what we actually are all called to do. Just before Paul talks about marriage there, the, 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 the verse just before it says, submit to one another and speaking to the church. And, and that, you can't do that if you don't love God and love your neighbor. You can't do it. Uh, it's only when you really love, when you're able to, to let go of all your arguments, of all your pettiness, of all the, the stuff that you want, and go, you know what, how do we serve God? How do we love one another? How do we change this community? How do we change a nation? And I think that's, uh, just. I'm just elaborating on what you've already said, but I think that's so important. Uh, JP, we, we, uh, I think we're out of time. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for, for your time today, uh, for your beautiful heart for Jesus and for family and uh, for, for being an example for everyone who, who has received great talent and, and how we can live that out while knowing our identity in Christ. I really appreciate it. Would you please you. pray for those uh, who are listening and, uh, and then I'll pray for you as well. Sure. Father, what a great privilege once again to, to just be able to engage with Heinz, but also to share a little bit of this, this journey that I've walked with you, Father God, and may it encourage those that have tuned in and listened in, Father God. And I just want to pray for everybody on this call. I want to pray for our country, Lord. Mm. I want to pray that you will heal our land, Father God. You will heal the hearts of our land. Yes, Jesus. You will heal the hearts of, of the people in our land. The, the destructiveness that has been a part of, of our country, Father God, the world, really. So, Father... May you come and, and heal our land, Father God. May you invest your heart in us, Father God. And, and may we find you wherever we find ourselves, Father God. And I think that's the beauty of, of this journey with you, Father God, that you never leave us nor forsake us, Father God. May we feel your presence, your ever presence in our daily walk, in our daily journeys, Father God, as we invest in time uh, with you, Father God. And whatever we, Whatever our day looks like, Father, we thank you that you are with us. You believe in us, Father God. And Lord, if there's anybody on this call right now, Father God, that doesn't know you, Father, wholeheartedly, I pray, Lord, that, that they will find a moment in time where that conviction in their hearts will burst through, Father God, to mm -hmm. know that you love them and that you care for them, that you are there as a comfort, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that they will be able to have the huge privilege of walking a journey with you through salvation, Father. Mm. We pray for the salvation of our country, of this world, Lord Jesus. 
I pray that your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven, mm -hmm. Father God. And pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Lord, I just want to lift up JP, his, his wife, his marriage, his family, his career, his foundation, his ministry. We just bring it before you, Lord, and we ask that you will bless it, that you will increase it, that you will bring supernatural favor upon it, that it will go from strength to strength and glory to glory, and that he will experience more of you on a daily basis. Lord, thank you for the time he's, he's got where he is. We pray that he will uh, make that a huge success and come home safely. We pray that you will comfort his wife and kids and uh, all the stuff that needs to happen here is at home as well, and that you will guide them in wisdom in how to do that. We thank you, Lord, for his life and his testimony, and we thank you that we were able to hear that today. Uh, we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. JP, thanks so much. Uh, will you please stay on the line? I'm just going to say goodbye to people, but thank you very much, and, uh, and God bless you so much. Eh? Thank you. Guys, what, a, what an amazing conversation with an amazing man of God. I really enjoyed that. I hope you did as well. Thank you for tuning in. I saw people coming in from all over the place, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, obviously local, lots of people from Alberton today. Very cool. <laughs> Thank you for, for joining us and being part of Love Unlocks, brought to you by Love Key. Uh, we really appreciate it so much. Please go and uh, follow JP Dumini on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. He's, he's all on all those platforms. Please go support his foundation. JP21foundation.org is the website. Go check it out. Go see what they're busy with. See how you can get involved. That's amazing work that they're doing. And uh, you can also... Uh, a lot of you I know are Instagrammers. Go and follow him on Instagram. He's, he's quite active there doing some really cool stuff. Uh, and uh, we just want to thank him once again from our side. And a quick mention again of my wife and I doing our marriage course. we on again this Thursday night. You can still get tickets. Just go to the link in the link in the, in the post here and you can follow that. And uh, make sure that you check out the new album. Uh, that's uh, the new song, Our Nation, that's out as well. Really appreciate that. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and rest of your week. God bless you. And remember, God's love can really unlock anything in your life. Bye-bye.